You're listening to Season 1, Episode 3 of the English Speak Easy Podcast, a podcast to help you practice your conversational English listening and speaking skills. I'm Michael. I'm an English teacher, a podcaster, and the co-founder of Lang Club, a social English community where people from all around the world gather to practice their English conversation. Visit langclub.live for more information. Hello, everyone. This is Katia, and I'm a journalist and uh, an English teacher, and I'm currently hosting the program the British Whisper on, you know, just Spotify. And I'm really glad to be here with Michael talking. And you can find all the information about the podcast on the BritishWhisper.com. The English Speakeasy podcast is a podcast where you can listen to real English conversations about a weekly topic in order to improve your listening and speaking skills. This week, we're going to be talking about language contamination, the influences of other languages on English, as well as influences of other languages on third languages too. But before we do that, let's talk about our weeks. So what have you been up to since we last talked? Yeah, well, there, there were a lot of exams. This this is the period of uh, tests. Uh, and mm. so a lot of students doing, you know, the, the, the Cambridge test. So it was quite full. Some of the students, of course, you know, just were really worried. But then the outcome, I think, was better than they expected. So Wonderful. it was very nice. And, uh, you know, supporting the students doing the exams and, you know, trying to calm them, to calm them a little bit, like, you know, just really before they, they do, especially the speaking. So that's what you need to listen to us and uh, practice more uh, as much as you can you know your listening skills because oh, yeah. the more you the more you are exposed to the language the more you absorb it even if it's a passive thing right michael i always say english that goes in turns into english that comes out if you want to be exactly. a good speaker you have to listen if you want to be a good writer you have to read it, it's how you learn it right it's it's it sort of translates in your mind what you put in it turns into what comes out. Absolutely. Exactly. And how was your how was your week? Oh, it was a bit of a crazy week. Well, as you know, I had to run. I had to do a visa run this week. Yeah, one of uh, the annoying aspects of expat life that we didn't talk about in the last episode. I had to go to Cambodia to apply for a new visa for Thailand. So I took a visa run for one week. It was okay. It was it was a fine trip. The problem was that it wasn't really a vacation because I had to send my passport to the Thai embassy. And that meant I couldn't really travel around. I couldn't go anywhere. I just had to stay at my hotel. I couldn't take a day trip because I couldn't buy a bus ticket or anything because I didn't have my passport with me. So I was staying in Phnom Penh and it was okay. But I've been there many times for the same reason. I've seen all of the museums. I've been to all of the attractions. It was not the most exciting trip. But anyway, I have my new visa. That's what matters. It's okay. I had some good food while I was there. I had... I had some good coffee. They have very good coffee there in Cambodia, but uh, not a very exciting vacation. But I'm glad to be back in Thailand now <laughs> with my new so visa. How's, uh, how's the weather there? Last time we were talking about how hot it was. Is it still, still very hot? Oh, it's still very hot. We're hoping maybe in a month or two, hopefully it's going to start raining. It's not as bad as it has been, but it's still very hot and it's still very humid. It's really, for me, it's the humidity. That bothers me the most. <laughs> it just yeah, yeah. drains my energy, you know? It saps me. Yeah. It's, too, it's too much when it's too uh, humid. Absolutely. Yeah, here has been has been quite similarly uh, in, in Italy, in the north side. We had, we had actually quite problems with rain. Ah. Um, so I don't know if you heard from the news that there were a 
um, a lot of loads, especially in Emilia-Romagna, which is a region which is not uh, very far from where I live. But luckily, um, where I'm based, uh, the situation is is better. And uh, we have been you know, just having these heavy rains for days. And then now, all of a sudden, it's summer. 28 mm. degrees today. And uh, the last week, there were like 15 or 16. So right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> big jump. Big jump. Yeah, so uh, it's always like this. But anyway, now it's sunshine, and uh, I hope that everything will turn out well for you. Know. I hope so. Before we play the conversation, let's go over some of the vocabulary and expressions that you're going to hear us use. Language contamination, noun. The foreign external influences from one language on another. Visa run, noun. A short trip across a border in order to apply for a new visa. To sap energy, verb, to drain energy rapidly. Root words, noun, the foundational building blocks of a language. Beowulf, an old English epic poem considered to be one of the earliest pieces of English writing. The Norman Conquest, the 11th century invasion and occupation of England by France. Nobility, noun, the group of people belonging to the highest social class in a country, the aristocracy. Juicy, adjective. When referring to news, interesting or scandalous, ripe for gossip. To displace, verb, to take the position or role of something, to remove and replace. Lingua franca, noun, any language that is used for communication between people who do not share a native language, a common language or bridge language. You can review these vocabulary words and phrases on our website. Click the link in the show notes to see the article that we wrote about this episode. You can also find discussion questions related to this topic. So, talking about language. So, this will be interesting because, you know, I, I know a little bit of Thai, and I can maybe mention some of the influences on Thai language. Of course, I can in talk about a lot of the influences on English. Uh, I'd also like to hear about Italian as well. Uh, you can share that. <laughs> but I think that to introduce this topic, I think that a lot of my students ask me, oh, why does, why does English have so many words that have the same <laughs> meaning? Right. Why are there so many words that are synonyms for each other in English? They say English has such a big vocabulary. What's the reason for that? And truthfully, a lot of that is because English takes root words from so many different languages. You know, we have words with German roots and, you know, French yeah. roots and Latin roots and Greek roots. And we combine them all together and we end up with a lot of words that have the same meaning that come from different different languages and have that influence from other languages on English. And yeah. that's not unique to English. Uh, I think every language nowadays is influenced by others. You know, there's no such thing nowadays as a pure language. In fact, I would guarantee that no one that's an English native speaker, unless there's some scholar, if anyone looks at an example of old English, for example, Beowulf or something like that, it is unintelligible. It looks like a completely different language, different alphabet, different words. You can't understand a word of it. You know, so there's no such thing really as a pure language, I would say, nowadays. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I totally agree, Michael. And you said a very interesting thing, you know, just languages are changing because languages are alive. Okay, and so, um, yes, if we look at old English uh, from Beowulf or, or other Shakespeare's plays, that, that of course, you know, what, what was used uh, uh, that time was completely different than, than what we use now in English, uh, British English. Sometimes it's different from American English as well, you know. So the, the region where you speak, the place where you live, has influences on you, on the so accent, much, yes. on, the, 
yeah, on the use of, of certain words, the words are changing in English depending on the place you live. And also we as English speakers struggle sometimes to 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 talk with someone maybe from Scotland or, uh, you know, just from, um, you know, Wales. if they speak strict, strictly their dialect or if they eat. So even us as as as, as uh, English speakers, we struggle sometimes. So it's better yeah. to say to, to students, don't discourage, don't be, you know, just if you don't understand, you know, we have the experiences as well yes yes (laughs) not just when you are an expert uh when you struggle with the local language but also when you speak with your own uh you know just uh fellow speakers sometimes absolutely important thing languages are alive languages are changing from the place you live to to relay uh you know the time you are so the 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 era (laughs) you are and and so really a beautiful thing but yeah every language has been contaminated by other ones um you were mentioning italian and italian as a deep of course as you know deep deep uh origin in latin mm-hmm. and latin was also brought by the romans into english we think yeah. about words very simple who, who are sometimes as italians uh told me uh, there are some words they recognize because they are literally similar to the, the to the latin root yes. and so they can identify them easily because they really are the same in English because they were starting from the same the same Latin word. For example, castle derives from castrum, which is a local, uh, you know, just a fortified building uh, right. that was that was coming from Latin. Just an example, but many of these words. It's all about history, isn't it? I mean, of course, England was conquered by the Roman Empire for hundreds of years. So, of course, it makes sense that this influence would come into the language as well. You know, where do these other influences come from? Well, England was conquered by France as well during the the Norman Conquest period. And that's where all these French roots come from. And so, you know, it's very, you know, if you study the history, you can it makes a lot of sense. It's very clear how the language developed this way. It's all about history. People ask, why are there different words for animals and food? For example, why do we say cow and beef or chicken and poultry or pig and pork? It's because the animal word was uh, what people were saying in English or in the Germanic language. Who were the ones that were raising the animals? It was the local people. But who were eating the food, right? It was the the nobility, the French that had colonized the you know, colonized England or conquered England at the time. So they had those French words for beef and pork and poultry. So it it makes a lot of sense. And you can trace the back to the history, just like you said, with the Roman Empire colonizing England and putting that Latin influence on the language. And we can see it very clearly, as you mentioned, beef. But, you know, you can see it very clearly in food. Food is a lot lot contaminated by other languages. And if you see a menu um, from any restaurant, they will have uh, using some words where might be Italian or might be sure, French. yeah. It's normal when there is uh, so so much uh, food culture around. People right. are used to say things in the local language. Um, so I wouldn't use the noodles for spaghetti, of course, right. because that's totally different. But you know, right. but uh, yeah, but it can you know just uh, it can be confusing sometimes. But that's true. So some words are are uh, used as they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of uh, you know just the how they they will probably embedded in the local culture and yeah. so um you happen to visit uh you know just a um an italian restaurant a french restaurant a german one even a spanish one you would probably find the local terms used right. so this is 
this is nice isn't it it helps you to you know just that to get more in the in the, in the experience uh, somehow you know just as a food or a local culture as well so i think it's uh yeah if you think about shows for example opera uh opera everyone knows which is opera to the lyric music and then so all this lyrical music everyone knows because it's opera and opera is an italian word but everyone right. knows they know it uh, and it's good that this is so recognizable by everyone yeah and you know part of that is that english doesn't really have some regulations like some countries do you know for example in france i believe they have the academy francaise it's this government yeah. agency that regulates the language and it says yeah. this is correct this is not correct you know and they they meet and they vote and they release some books about what's proper but english doesn't really have that and it's just like you mentioned, you know, we have all these different dialects. We have Scottish English and American English. And even within the United States, we have Northern and Southern and Texas English and Louisiana English, all these different dialects. And there's no regulation. And so because of that, it allows all these external influences to come into the language and be considered correct. It still allows them to be correct English. And that's a great thing, I think, that that like just like you said, it allows English to be alive. It allows it to kind of grow and develop naturally wherever it takes hold. And I think that's really interesting, too. Yeah. And, and then talking about, you know, just uh, uh, rules, uh, of mm -hmm. course, in Italy, what was what was uh, a recent news that is very juicy and interesting was that um, uh, our new Italian prime minister, Giorgio Meloni, um, is trying to shield Italian language from foreign contamination and... Um, just a couple of months ago in March, the Prime Minister has proposed imposing a fine up to 100,000 euros on public and private entities which use foreign terms, most wow. notably English, instead of Italian in mm. official communication. Okay, only in official communication. Yeah. So the bill was presented by lawmakers from, from this. this, this um, um, party and will have to be approved, of course, by both houses of parliament to become law. Actually, there is no indication that when this might happen. Right. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's um, it's curious that um, um, they decided to shield language somehow, you know, just uh, because there is probably an over contamination and overuse of, you know, all the especially all the name indicating jobs in companies for example um just uh, but not only and uh, uh of course you know just uh, uh this is funny because uh, everyone uses english probably even not uh, you know being aware of it and so <laughs> and so you know just uh uh, yeah, that's cool news, and I don't know if this will ever become a law. I don't think so, but uh, yeah, but this is one just uh, you know just of the um, of the reasons why probably Italy has such uh, you know just um, a love for the language, and they try to you know avoid using foreign words, especially in official communication, if if it's possible, of course, uh, because probably. The one generation I've overused it a, a bit. Um, don't you have this experience? Uh, I don't know. Maybe in Thailand, not so much. But think about maybe Spanish and 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 and, uh, and English in America. Yeah, I would say so. I would say that overall, from an English perspective, I think it's great the fact that English accepts all these words from other languages and sort of absorbs them like a sponge. But from yeah. the other side, I can see it being a negative if you're not an English speaker. You know, I can I can see people feeling like their own languages yeah. maybe being erased or even displaced by English. 
around the world because English, of course, is kind of a lingua franca nowadays. It's yeah, sort of that sure. common language. And I can see it, you know, and I do think it's a shame when when local languages are displaced by English. But at the same time, it's it's still being, you know, it's a tool for communication. And it, I can see both sides of the issue. I totally can. Mm-hmm. I can understand people wanting to preserve their language in the face of globalization. But at the same time, I can also see the importance of having this international language that people can use to communicate together. We can all use uh, language, uh, you know, like English, really to, uh, I would say, probably destroy barriers between people. So everywhere you go, um, if you use English, you are understood and you can communicate. And this is really important because it's not the the widest spoken language in the world. We know that it's not. Right. um, is the probably the as you said lingua franca is the most used and easy to use for communications and then of course when you visit a place it's probably um you know exciting if you know the local language if you visit spain if you france or germany uh, to use it but of course maybe you are limited in your vocabulary and if you speak a good english or you understand it better you can definitely travel all around the world with no problems and uh, this is important but we don't have to really probably um let the other languages um s- somehow you know just uh, die under you know just under the the contamination of, of english words. so right. i understand uh, italy yeah. is not the only one i think also um uh in greece they did a similar uh there was a similar debate mm-hmm. about how words are used in in the greek language and the greek language which is one of the oldest uh for example they study Greek at, right. at the high school. Uh, it's not. Um, it's just a high school that has Greek and Latin as a sort of a f- fundamentum, uh, being you know just really building uh, of the of the subject they study. But it's interesting because uh, you think that uh, well, Greek who's sp- who's who's speaking Greek nowadays? Just Greek people. No. <laughs> It was spoken by philosophers, it was spoken by really, you know, just uh, many, 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 many uh, civilizations uh, years ago. And so, you know, the alphabet uh, has been used for centuries. And so um, I think, yeah, some ancient and rich languages are still uh, sort of uh, under the influence and then then maybe they fear that they will, I don't know, die eventually. And... uh, I think this will happen. I think that every country will keep their own language. What do you think? Right. Uh, I, I think I think so. I think so. And it's a, it's an interesting point that you made about the Greek alphabet. I mean, even the word alphabet itself is a Greek yeah, word exactly. that came into English, right? Through alpha and beta, the first two letters, A and B of the Greek alphabet. Um, but you're absolutely right. If, if you want to study the classics, if you want to study the writings of Homer and the Iliad and the Odyssey and these great myths and writings and Plato and Socrates that influenced, you know, I would say American civilization, Western civilization as a whole, sort of the foundation of of Western civilization. Well, they're all written in ancient Greek, aren't they? And so there's still a lot of value in studying these languages. And it's, you know, they definitely shouldn't disappear. Um, And I don't think they're going to because of that. I think they still have importance. I don't think there's ever going to be a time when humanity only speaks one language. Mm -hmm. There may be a common language that we all speak, but I don't think there's only going to be one language in the world. Mm -hmm. I think that language is such an important part of culture, and people have so much pride in their language. I really Mm -hmm. genuinely don't think that there's going to be a time when languages, all languages disappear except for one. I think that there's going to always be people that hold on to their language and try to preserve that piece of their culture, and I think that's important. 
Yeah, I think it's not the language that dies. It's really, you know, the people that speak it. Yeah. And sometimes it's really, languages do change, of course. So, but we need to to keep that in mind. Uh, you know, it's probably also distance a bit ourselves from these war fronts, you know, which are fictional, of course, you know, just and focus on the essential No. That is a language breathes only when its speakers are able to, you know, just use it and, um, you know, just uh, communicate it again and again. Uh, so I don't think that young generations will stop using Greek or will stop using Latin or or probably Italian or, or Spanish just because it's their language and they won't use it. And so until people are speaking it, these languages will be alive. I think so. And I think it's just more likely that people will become more frequently bilingual instead yeah 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 bilingual. whoa yeah that that's a great luck you know just uh, um I, I probably mentioned in some pre in some of my previous episodes you mm -hmm. know i had the chance to live as an expert in right. south Korea, german and uh, uh, they have uh, these um bilingualism since they are born so cool. because yeah speaking german probably because the the main language is, is is that one and then at school they study italian and so when they grow up they literally speak two languages and then they acquire language of course because that, that's what they is taught also at school and so they they really have a, a richness and this is typical of this little, little side of italy and and there is another part uh, uh, in of italy which is validos and they speak french there but um yeah, it's interesting as well. They speak French and they teach they, they teach French at school as well. So they are also bilingual there. And many families are French, French mother tongue, but they speak also very well Italian since they are kids. So, you know, so they are they're very lucky uh, to have this opportunity. And so um, if you have children, dear listeners, really uh, try to um, give them the opportunity to learn any language, any languages when they are kids, because they will absorb it as sponges very quickly and uh, you will give them a great gift really a great one i i can't speak for everywhere but i know in the united states for a time in the past there was this push when people would immigrate this push to become quote unquote american to become american to speak english and to forget about the past my family you know my, my surname is french my family was french and my my great grandfather could speak french he came from he came from france to canada and then or his family did, and then my grandfather learned French, and he was, you know, even a, a French translator for the U.S. Army during the Second World War. But my father never learned it; they never taught it to my dad. And so that that whole piece of our culture, our family history, is gone. My dad never learned French or Canadian French, and I I never did either because back then that, there was this push that if you immigrated to the United States, you this idea that you had to speak only English, and I think that's a shame, you know, because now there's something lost in my family history, you know? So I agree exactly with what you're saying, right? You know, teach them the language, teach your children the language and help this culture continue through history because kids can learn lots of languages. Kids are like sponges when it comes to language. They will absorb all of it. If you speak to them in your native language, they'll learn it and they'll learn English at school and they'll learn English with their classmates, wherever they might be. But, you know, I, I really wish that that piece of my family history had been preserved Oh uh, yeah, that's that's uh, you know a bit of sweet memory you have. It's very interesting. And, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. If you have the chance to keep your own language, if you are bilingual, and let your 
Cleveland speaker, that would be a great, a great thing for them. And also, uh, you know, just, just, uh, just go ahead with uh, the English, you know, and uh, expose yourself the most as you can to all these different languages, and you will enrich your experience for sure. So, in Italian, is there some sort of government agency that sort of oversees and regulates the language? Like there is, I know there is one for French, but um, what about in Italian? Yeah, it's Academia. I think it's Academia della Crusca, uh, which is in Florence, sits in Florence. The, they also publish a dictionary which, and they have these rules. And so if you have a doubt about Italian, you go to this website and you can also check the rules and whatever. And uh, and so, um, yeah, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the most ancient academies uh, in Italy. In Florida, you know. yeah, and then uh, and of course they they yeah they're really worried about the discontamination, and so they try to you know just as much as as possible the use of Latin and, and Italian as well. But yeah, um, I I think that anyway, um, in, in Italy as overall people um, they they speak they speak different languages, um, um, not just uh, not just uh, for example English is studied of course at school this is compulsory um, you know just subject but in the past for example i had students who were in their 50s or 60s and and they told me that they were studying french because at the time english was not you know just so i would say probably useful and people uh, were more used to teach to teach french so they learned french of course yeah yeah generations are changing you know so So, you know, just, uh, yeah, they, they, they studied French instead of English and then their children instead studied only English. But if, of course, and also study German and French, but you have to select a language school, of course, you know, just like a language school that has different languages. And here in Italy, which is good. And, um, but more and more students, more and more young students also are exposed to the language when they are kids. So more and more kindergartens and elementary school, primary schools are getting mother tongue teachers uh, to, to, to do these hours with children. And I think that the new generation will be probably, probably more well-versed at speaking the language than the, the, the current ones, probably. Right. That's my, right. That's my it's yeah, it's quite quite interesting, you know. Here in Thailand, the students start learning English in kindergarten, you know. And, and so, for for example, I was you know a teacher in a high school. I, I taught grade seven through grade twelve, and in kindergarten and primary school, when the students learn English, they're with a Thai teacher and you know maybe a native English teacher as well, like co-teachers. But by the time they get to high school, because they've had this sort of immersion environment, because they've been learning it for so long. You know, they don't need a co-teacher anymore. By the time they get to my class in grade seven, I'm able to teach them English in English, you know, and it's amazing. Kids, the younger they are, the easier it is to learn these languages, you know, and the easier it is to become bilingual. Um, Kids are just really good at language acquisition. We should all, all, you know, just like take a time machine and go back. I wish. I wish. You know, it's one of my big complaints about the U.S. education system is that we don't have any emphasis on Foreign languages, even in Texas, where I grew up, where there's a lot of people that speak Spanish natively, um, we learned some Spanish in school. But second language was not a requirement until grade nine, I suppose. You know, it's not a priority in the U.S., even so. And that holds us back a lot. You know, the truth is the U.S. doesn't even have a national language. English is not the national language of the U.S. We don't have one. 
technically, you know, it's just the common language that we speak. And yeah, I wish we I wish I had a time machine to go back and learn languages when I was younger. But truthfully, that's just not that's not a priority in the U.S. education system. And I have a big problem with that. I think that's a big flaw in our system. And it's something I really regret from growing up. Yeah, so probably new generations will have this fixed because a lot of, you know, just the now uh, educators and uh, mm-hmm. education just authorities are more concerned, more um, aware of uh, the importance of speaking a, a second language. I hope so. so. I hope yeah. new generations will have the opportunity. So, dear listeners, if you have the opportunity to study another language, not just English, but study it, and uh, it's really enriching you and uh, widening your horizons. So, Go ahead and get the chance to do that. Absolutely. And learning is never wasted. You know, even if you think you'll never truly use the language, you can learn it anyway. It's never a waste of time to learn something new, is it? It's exactly like that, Michael. And yeah, so I wish all, you know, just uh, maybe we can ask our listeners to to share some of their experiences. You know, just uh, their language abroad or having some, you know, just uh, probably uh, inferences in their native language. Maybe they are Spanish, maybe they're French, maybe they're Germans. Listeners. Yeah, tell us. I would love to hear about that. Yeah. How did other languages influence your language? Like, for example, I know that here in Thailand, Thailand is famous for the being the only country in Southeast Asia that was never colonized by a European country in its history. However, there's still influence, even so. For example, the word for door in Thai is pratu. And I recently learned that that word is related to the Portuguese word porto for door. You know, so even here in Thailand, there's influence from the Portuguese language. And that's just something I never would have thought about. It's so fascinating to find these connections and find these influences from other languages. I, mean, I think Italian it's really cool. Yeah. Porta, so it's it's yeah. it's the same, you know, just uh, uh, stem from the same the same. Definitely, le- definitely, I'm sure a Latin root, same as like in English, you could technically you could call a door a portal as well, you know, in English. Um, it's really Amazing. interesting. You would never think of Thailand having that connection, but it does. Absolutely, yeah, no. fantastic. I would love to hear that from our listeners. Yeah, so please do uh, get in touch with, with with us. You know, Michael has all information about that yes we have a, an email english speakeasy podcast at gmail.com please yeah let us know what did you think about this topic tell us your experiences learning language as well um, we're definitely going to read the emails you send in maybe we can even read them and talk about them on a future episode of the show too because i think that would be so cool to hear about fantastic so thank you for for, for listening and uh yeah share with us your your experiences and uh, me and Michael will be here to, you know, just speak about that with you. Most definitely. And if you, our listeners have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, let us know that as well. We would, you know, this is a show for you to listen to us talking, listen to our conversation. So if you have something specific you want to hear us talk about, please write in as well. That would be amazing. We want this to be a sort of a two-way street, a two-way conversation with you, our listeners. Thank you so much. We're going to be back again next time with another topic. But until then, if you want to practice English conversations just like this one, you can visit langclub.live where you can join me for some free discussion sessions hosted every single week. And what if you want to learn more about the news in English? What can you do? 
Yeah, you can you can definitely you know just go to the website thebritishwhisper.com where you can find all the episodes uh, that I registered and uh, you can learn more about uh, English news and uh, what is hot and what is happening around the world in English. So just uh, just go and tune in and uh, the podcast is available on Spotify and Apple Podcast The British Whisper. Fantastic. And I think that is such a great way to learn English. Like you said you're not only being uh, you know you're not only practicing language but you're being connected to the world around you as well. And I think that's important. I think that's a fantastic way to practice. So folks, if you're listening, go subscribe to the uh, the British Whisperer as well. You will uh, benefit a lot from that. Talk to you again soon, Dan. We will talk to you guys again in the next episode. <laughs>